0: everybody happy monday night today is march 6 2023 this is across the pitch uh if you're looking at the screen and wondering this is a different appearance today well here's why uh as usual we have two of my co-hosts with me dave miller uh dave gvc miller and jose nunez jose r nunez 91 always next to me but tonight we have sicknesses galore in the across the pitch team dave in england doesn't feel well he's got also a work situation and jose is also dealing with some medical conditions but like the union we will adjust our lineup tonight, and thankfully, I'm joined by a guest uh, Alex Windley. Alex, how are you doing tonight?
1: Good, Mike. I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. Uh, for those who don't know Alex, she covers the Inter-Miami squad via the Heron outlet uh, and, and has done some great work online on Twitter. I know you have some work in Bleach Report as well. Um, so really just excited to have you. Almost perfect timing, really, with the absence of my two co-hosts. But uh, we wanted to talk about the Miami match, which I believe will be just the start of what could be a very good series overall between the two clubs this season. Um, but for those who may have missed the match or may have not gotten a full recap, the Union did lose on Saturday night uh, against Miami, 2-0 to zero, uh, away, obviously, in Florida Alex, I know we talked briefly before the show started, but what were your reactions from that very impressive win and the very impressive start to your season?
1: Yeah, I think it was a mixture of shock and, and uh, surprise. Honestly, uh, Miami—they did make some strides over the off-season, but you know, to be you know, you know, to beat the defending Eastern Con- Eastern Conference, yeah, excuse me, champions, it, it would. Yeah, it was a bit surreal, honestly. And they they played well for a large period of time and had the Union on their toes. You know, the Union fought back, and you know they had their looks. Uh, but you know, Miami's defense held on, held on, held on. Calendar held on. Uh, maybe the Union could have finished their, uh, you know, worked on their shooting a little bit more. Honestly, they did have a couple of good chances, but um, yeah, Miami held on. And Neville's tactics, uh, as particularly towards the end, there bringing on Robert Taylor, switching so to do a back five. It, it really, it helps you out the game. So yeah, very surprising, but it was a a good game from both sides. And it was as a neutral, if you were watching as a neutral, uh, definitely a great game to watch and to rewatch actually on Apple TV.
0: Yeah. And I I did check to rewatch it just to kind of get a better idea of, of certain things that happened. And I think the way you mentioned how they attacked the union, you saw that as soon as the whistle blew immediately, they were inside the unions box. I mean, of course, we have to mention the Taylor goal as well, that golosso we saw. Uh, were you, I mean, how what was your reaction when you saw that going net or even the first goal? I mean, it was both of them were perfectly placed on Andre.
1: Yeah, the first goal specifically, it came from a, you know, a bit of a scrap on on top of the penalty uh, area, uh, the 18 yard box, excuse me. And yeah, Coco Jean's just the type of player to just, you know, hit them wherever he scored a, a golosso similar like to that in, in preseason. So he has that in his locker. So, um, I was just surprised. I thought Andre Blake should have done a little bit better. Honestly, mm-hmm. it was a, I, I know that, uh, um, some Philly defenders were kind of in his eye line. So that may have, uh, you know, hurt him a little bit when diving, but it was still a really good finish from, uh, Quentin John. But, um, yeah, I, I, I kind of expected Andre Blake to do a little bit better, honestly, but he's a great keeper. So, um, yeah, that, that first goal was crazy. The second one was even crazier. So, um, <laughs> yeah, just a crazy game, honestly. Entertaining though.
0: It was very entertaining, and uh, I want to say hello, Valerie. She's one of my my, uh, faithful followers. She says, welcome. Uh, So thank you, Valerie, for joining us tonight. And listen, uh, I believe the first five or six minutes of that match, maybe a little bit later into that, I noticed that Miami was really testing Blake from far, which is not what you typically do against the Union. I mean, granted, you always want to try to test the keeper, but statistically speaking, the Union don't really give up many far goals. They're mostly, you know, beaten uh, within close range, so... I was surprised to see that, but then the way you guys finished those, I was like, well, you know, clearly they knew what they were doing tonight, and they did, and I think I think the first goal in particular, um, I mean, I've seen Andre Blake make that save time and time again, and I, I do. I think he was caught off guard. I think he, as you mentioned, may have been obstructed. His view may have been obstructed as well, but uh, you know, l- listen, in terms of what we saw from the union side of things, they were not as clinical with their finishing as, as you also alluded to. I thought and maybe you might agree with me, The one of the biggest misses of the match was in about the 12th minute. Leon Flock just missed a clear header. Um, but at the same time, you guys got a slightly fortunate last week as well. You, I know Calendar had that turnover against Montreal. And and I mean, I know you, you're a fan, but also you have to view things kind of objectively. Is there some concern about these very close misses you've had re- over these last couple of weeks?
1: Yeah, that is definitely a concern for Miami. Um, you know, we're talking to Phil Neville uh, later in the in the week um, uh, during the training session, so I'll, maybe I'll ask him about that. But, yeah, that is a concern. Uh, yeah. I know Miami does have the tendency to, you know, just kind of have some lapses in con- concentration a little bit, and right. sometimes they'll, they'll get him behind. But, uh, you know, with Sergey Cristos, that new signing, and, and Christopher McVay, that center-back pairing, I'm sure as they um, continue to play together, uh, stuff like that, won't happen nearly as much but um Miami have a really great goalkeeper in, in Drake calendar I know mm-hmm. I know um according to one of my sources I, I heard he was in contention to get called up in, uh, to the previous US national team camp you know nice. he's definitely up there yeah and and US and men's national team contention so great keeper great young keeper just recently signed a new contract to keep him here um at the club longer uh, so um yeah it, it is a concern in Philly like you said they had plenty of chances. Drake did his oh. and and honestly I, I felt Philly should have uh, done better finishing genuinely they, they've got a great front line so yeah this was a, a testament to Miami's defense and uh, particularly their goalkeeper um they just uh, you know they Drake stood on his head and and kept that clean sheet
0: yeah I mean you've you touched on a few things that I really wanted to, to highlight tonight as well honestly um the first when I if you want to go back to Montreal I when I watched that match I know Calendar had the turnover that led to that very impressive save by him, uh, from Montreal. They couldn't capitalize on that. And I know, I think later on the match, uh, Montreal had a pretty good header on the back post that they just flat out miss. And I remember for those who listened to my show last week, I said, I think the union finished that. I think the union had the talent to finish it. And I obviously jinxed myself in the process. <laughs> and, and, you know, I watched the, the Leon flock, uh, replay on the miss, and it just seemed like it caught him off guard. Um, and I guess in a way that kind of sums up Leon Flock a bit. He's great defensively, which I'm sure you guys were prepared for to face him defensively. But offensively, he's very much figuring things out. And uh, it, it was a very unfortunate miss. But uh, I, I know from watching Calendar as well on the back line, I'm sure they're still getting some familiarity with each other. I know there's two replacements in that back line. And I thought a big story that they were kind of hinting on last week and this week was the fact that Miami has six new players in their lineup and you know philadelphia comes back with 92 percent of their minutes and their continuity did you have some concerns entering this match this past week saying hey listen we're still maybe figuring things out and this union team is just established i mean what were your thoughts on on that comparison there
1: yeah honestly um that was a concern but i think the it remind me um uh, scouting staff and and their their coaching staff they did a really good job of bringing in the players they wanted to early in the off season so they didn't have that issue so like guys like Nicola Stefanelli, Sergei Kristoff, and Joseph Martinez, of course, um, you know, re-signing Leo Campana. Like, th- they got those signs in pretty early in the offseason, so they were there for a month, you know, maybe a month and a half time. Or compared to last season where they completely overhauled their roster. And, you know, obviously, you know, they started 0-5, and, and, you know, that continuity wasn't there. So this offseason, I think they prioritized bringing in those players really early. I-, I neglected to mention Franco Negri as well, the new left back, they brought those guys in, into, you know, in early January, mid-January. And so they had plenty of time to to gel with the, the new guys and go on, uh, you know, the trip to Sarasota for preseason bonding and and uh, a couple of friendly. So that definitely helped. But, yeah, that was a concern. But, you know, Neville, he, he's a really good man manager. Maybe his tactics aren't all the way there, but he's known to just be really good with personalities. So, and the players really gel with him and respect him. So he was able to get them to, Uh, play as a cohesive unit um, pretty quickly. Of course, you know, Stephanie Martinez, they're not quite fully fit and maybe not firing on all cylinders, but they're still contributing in their own way. So um, yes, that wasn't a concern, but uh, Neville did a pretty good job to, you know, gel them together before uh, the season started.
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny the way you describe Neville because I feel like a lot of Union fans, uh, myself in particular, feel that way about Jim Curtin as well. I feel like there are times when we question his substitutions or maybe his lineups, um, and yet the players would die for him any minute. You know, they play so hard for him, and sometimes that's more important. I mean, I think if you've watched soccer and and maybe played soccer long enough to, to agree, you know, Sometimes you need a players' coach at times to just really get the best out of these players. So um, I know, I think, I thought they did well. In terms of Jose Martinez, we really didn't hear too much about his, you know, his development down there. What has been his interaction with the fans? How have they embraced him? How has he been in the clubhouse? I mean, what are your thoughts on him just seeing him briefly uh, over these past, you know, couple weeks early?
1: Yeah, he's been he's literally the nicest guy. I know there are a lot of yeah, I, I met him um on the way uh, from a, a press conference one day and he was with, you know, the comm staff and he was just he he introduced himself to the journalist. It was a super, super nice, super friendly guy. You know, he's settling into Miami well, obviously, large Venezuelan population down here. But yeah, super nice guy. He he wants to score goals, you know, he wants to win trophies with Miami. Uh, there's a bit of a, a chip on his shoulder from how it ended in Atlanta. So he wants to get on that, that score sheet and Improve the league and improve Atlanta. Wrong and um, yeah, he's he's just you know super open, super friendly. You know, very competitive, obviously. Um, and you know, the first couple two games, you know, he, you know he's still getting to full fitness, so he's not going to be uh, the Joseph of old. But you know, uh, Neville does say he did say there's like a twenty percent more from Joseph to come. And and yeah. you know, once he gets to full fitness and Campana gets back, I think <laughs> yeah, Miami will their front line will be much more scary i feel than what they're they're currently having now so um yeah well joseph is just you know bringing him back slowly and and eventually um he'll he'll be far- firing on all cylinders
0: yeah i mean i guess that's kind of a segues to my next question here you know obviously the union have very high expectations entering the year miami's roster being retooled as you, as you highlighted what were your realistic expectations or what what were the fans expectations for this 2023 season
1: yeah, with the expanded playoff, uh, uh, um, you know, the expanded playoffs, I, I think my most Miami fans and, and, and journalists alike thought that, you know, they, they'd they make the playoffs. They finished sixth last year, so at least ninth place in the East. But the the way that they're playing now and, and we're seeing the cohesiveness, I think uh, they still want, you know, the team wants top four. And I think the journalists and a lot of fans are starting to believe that maybe top four is possible. I know uh, th- they caught the Union on an off night, but, you know, maybe the reverse fixture, it'll be a little bit different. but. Miami, they want to hit top four. You know, they want to crack into that upper echelon. Uh, They finished sixth uh, last season. Um, And, you know, um, yes, top four. And I'm going to mention their summer transfer window plans. Obviously, there's huge rumors going on about, um, obviously, Massive Busquets. That remains to be seen if that happens. But, yeah, Miami want to push into that top four. And plus, they do have some um, flexibility in the summer to add on if they continue to play this well. So it's a, it's a yeah crazy scary prospect right now. They're playing this well, and they still have the the opportunity to add on in the summer with Chris Henderson, who was that mastermind, him and Garth Loggerway behind that Seattle success. It's yeah, it's crazy as from a journalistic perspective. It's it's fun because there's going to be a lot of stories to uncover. But yeah, from you know you see Inter Me from last season how they started to now it's, yeah. it's nine and day. So I'm just super impressed about how they were able to just overhaul everything and get the guys, you know, co- cohesively gelling.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's the Eastern conference this year. Uh, it's certainly interesting to see who you, who you think might come up top. Obviously, you know, NYCFC has been so good for so long, but then they lose and they kind of shuffle their roster. I, I watched them play Chicago uh, and just kind of watched the replay last night. And, you know, they, they may have their work cut out for them. I know they have a couple of good players in there in Pereira and, and Magno, but it's, it's, you know, you don't really know what you're going to get from NYCFC yet. And then you have Nashville back in the East. And then Columbus obviously has a good squad. There's, But, I you know, it was, it was thinking, I was, I, was, I was watching the match against Miami between the Union, and I thought top five. I thought this team could be top five. Um, and you mentioned top four, and I, I, I can see why. I, I, I definitely do. Especially with the Union's very heavy schedule this season. I don't, I mean, I, I feel bad saying I don't think they're going to finish top of the East but because of that schedule, they, they might not, you know, they might finish second or third. And I think with that comes the opportunity for other teams like Miami to take advantage of that. Um, so no, I, I, definitely, I definitely see where you're coming from. And, and you mentioned, you know, just how they're starting right now. They're starting great. Um, the union, probably not the start. They wanted entirely, but they obviously have the CCL match on Tuesday night, which of course throws a bit of a mix to the schedule. And I, I had mentioned to you before we went on live, were you surprised that the union went with their original 11 or how did the fans or youth in particular think they were going to approach Saturday night's match?
1: Yeah, of course. I, I was talking with my, my, my colleagues and we all thought, you know, you know, the union have Comcast Champions League uh, coming up um, in the, in the next uh, two, a couple of days. So we all thought that maybe they'll throw in uh, some of the, the, you know, maybe Torres or, or, or some of these other guys on the bench, but you know, no, Jim Curtin went with, went with the, <laughs> Yeah, they went with a full strength uh, starting 11, which was, you know, scary from a Miami perspective. The Union are, are a very good team, but, you know, you know, Miami want, they want these challenges. They want to show that, you know, that they've improved and, and show people wrong. But yeah, I was surprised. I thought, you know, Curtin would do some, uh, um, uh, like, you know, just some shifting with the, the players. I know Phil Neville with the US Open Cup last season, he did Kind of rotate some players in, um, in league games versus U- U.S. Open Cup games, so he did rotate. You know, if you know Miami were in that uh, Champions, league, Champions League position, uh, yeah, Neville would de- would have definitely rotated. But yeah, we, I was shocked. Yeah, I was shocked that the Union was full strength, but it was a welcome challenge for Miami, and yeah, we got a really great game out of it.
0: Well, I know I'm going to bring up a comment here. You know, we, we have on the schedule right now, we have basically five games in 15 days. That's what the union have in front of them. Chicago Fire, not that far. We played the second leg against Alianza also in that mix. So it's a very hard schedule for the union, to say the least. Um, and in particular, the the weather temperature going from what we had in Chester just two weeks ago to Miami in Chester for or the first match of the season, it was snowing briefly before the oh, game wow. started. Yeah. And then you go down to there, Miami, it's obviously wasn't it? I don't know the weather down there, it was probably in the seventies or eighties.
1: Yeah, human humid, humid.
0: exactly. And now we go even further south into the into the globe, and it's gonna be even hotter down there, um, with worse fuel conditions than what we're used to up in the MLS. So I I was I was I was shocked as well. Um I really thought that we were going to see maybe more of Quinn Sullivan. I thought maybe he might even change the formation. Um I thought to be honest with you, against Miami we were going to see more of Low or any of Low, but we yeah. didn't see but we didn't see anything. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Were you, did you were, did you expect to see your former, you know, Miami player out there?
1: Yeah, I, I did actually. I know Damien Low was a very good player for Miami, but um the season they they changed their tactics up a little bit to be a little bit more possession based and Lowe is a great defender, but you know, sometimes he, maybe he isn't as composed on the ball, but you know, it's just different playing styles and, but he's still a fantastic player and uh, he'll do super well for Philly. But yeah, I did. I was a, a little surprised, especially when uh, the union went uh, two down and it was the 76th minute. I thought, yeah. you know, they were probably going to throw in the towel a little bit, get some subs in just, you know, prepare for the, the, the champions league match, but you know, they kept Carranza on and, and yeah. the, the two center backs and Kai Wagner, who, you know, he was getting into it with uh, quarantine John a lot, which was,
0: that was a great yeah. One. Yeah, it was,
1: it was getting a little chippy between the two teams, and, and Joseph and and uh, two is going at it, which was of course, of course, a Venezuelans, and it was yeah, just a crazy match. But yeah, I was a little surprised. I expected to see Damien, but um, you know, I, I'm sure I'm not sure if he's going to be a role player for you guys, or you know, kind of a spot starter. You know, depending on you know what your guys' schedule look like. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, still a fantastic player. But yeah, I was a little surprised.
0: No, it's I I I. I know, um, Martinez and Martinez were, were butting heads, but in a way, jokingly, because they're obviously from the same background, but Kai, uh, was on another level that night. I mean, if for, for union fans out there, Kai Wagner has a, almost as big of a temper as Jose Martinez, but he, he gets, he really gets himself into some trouble. I thought he played very well. I mean, not that union players had a lot to brag about that night, but I thought he played excellent. Um. He had that one amazing tackle early on to set up the, the shot from Carranza he had the beautiful cross of Badoy which set up the the flock miss so he he played great and I really thought if anybody was going to create some offense it was going to be Kai's ability just with, with the passing um but yeah for for Damon Lowe I mean I obviously we the union lose Stuart Finley last year and we have Brendan Craig which is our you know our homegrown youth, youth national player but really behind jack elliott and glass since there was so many doubts and damon felt like he was that mls caliber uh player that could transition in right away which is why we thought he was going to play get himself amped up against miami despite the six starters coming in he still knew coach he knew the, the system well enough to kind of maybe make it a noticeable impact but i was surprised and i do think he's going to play tom- um, tomorrow night as oh, you mentioned cool. as a role player um Jim is pretty secretive with certain things he does, but I think I think he will start. I, I certainly, I guess, believe he's going to be very much Open Cup, you know, maybe league's Cup, that kind of stuff. So I guess, uh, actually, speaking of League's Cup, how how what are your thoughts on it? How do you feel about the way Miami is going to approach it? And you know, just overall the thoughts on on the on the competition.
1: Um. Yeah. Well. Um. From uh, a team perspective, uh, we spoke to Phil Neville a couple of months ago about that. He said they're going for every trophy available. So U.S. Open Cup, U.S. Uh, MLS Cup, Leagues Cup. They they want some silverware. So he'll play his full strength uh, starting 11s in all those competitions, and he'll rotate. Miami's very. Uh, they've got a, a lot more depth this of uh, this off So right. they're like three deep per position. Maybe center back's a little iffy, but. Um, yeah, they've, they've got plenty of depth and they're going to be throwing in the, the kitchen sink with that starting full strength starting 11 and yeah, they're going for it. So um, yeah, it'll be intriguing to see how they'll balance MLS play and Leaks Cup and US Open Cup and, and all of that jazz.
0: Well, yeah, I feel like MLS teams in general this season are going to need depth, you know, for days. And it's especially like I said, with the union having the CCL thrown into it as it's just it's it's, it's a challenge. Um, we're playing upwards of 50 games alone, just before even advancing through these tournaments, which we expect to do. So it's a lot. And again, one reason why we thought, or at least a lot of us thought Alejandro Bedoya was going to maybe play only a half against Miami, because listen, he's an aging captain as, as great as he is, he's also older. So again, a bit surprised that we didn't see more of a roster turnover, but maybe on Tuesday, he doesn't play as much. And again, that's, that's kind of going to be figured out tomorrow at seven o'clock PM, what, what the lineup is going to be. But Again, I know I know we had talked last year briefly about Carranza. I said, hey, what, what do I need to know about Julian? Um, same thing against this year. I'm saying, hey, what do I need to know about Lowe, which you, you highlighted briefly here. But Carranza, I mean, let's let's talk about him. Were you surprised by his performance at all against Miami? How did you think that he fared against his former club?
1: Honestly, I thought Miami game planned for him super well. Obviously, a lot of the players know him. They are talking with him before the game. Phil Neville coached him uh, yeah. for a couple of games. You know, they know him very well. So I think, honestly, I think they just, they game planned around him and they they nullified anything that he did really. And, and I was shocked. I, I genuinely thought he'd get a goal. And I don't know if he would have celebrated, but, you know, Miami game planned against him, against him very well. And, yeah. Um, yeah, he had a couple of uh, chances, but, you know, you know, they nullified him a lot he was reduced to what three shots uh, on the entire night and yeah. we know how, how good of a finisher he is you know you guys decimated the crew 4-1 so we, we we know he can finish so yeah Miami just game planned for him super well and and I was I actually I was impressed you know they kept him quiet and the entire front line too Gazdag, he he wasn't as active as I thought he would be either so yeah. Miami just you know they game planned really well and kudos to Phil Neville for, for getting that right and and kudos to the players for hanging on to that 2-0 lead because the Union definitely could have equalized it, or maybe even, you know, um, you know, gotten a win depending on you know if Calendar didn't make those saves. So, yeah, just yeah. kudos to the coaching staff and the players really.
0: Well, I mean, listen, listen, Calendar, uh, uh, <laughs> he gave up that very bad turnover. Uh, I, I can't remember the minute. That was in the first half, and I was like, "Here's yeah. our chance, you know, here's our chance right now," and and dog just missed it. I mean, he just—he he should have put in the back of the net. He didn't, but uh, you know, well, listen. Credit where credits due. He made a nice save to to get it, uh, to, to rather to keep the Union off the board. And then you guys were up one nothing, and oh, I can't remember who it was. Was it was it one of your midfielders hit the crossbar?
1: Oh, um, was it John Mata, I believe. Yes, yes, that's yeah. It was.
0: And I thought, okay, if the Union are going to score, they're going to go back to that moment and say, "Wow, what a what a turn of events! You would have been up two nothing, and then they tie it one one." Uh, but it, w- it just wasn't meant to be that, you know, it, I, I agree. I, I thought Karan's, I thought Michael Ua was kind of invisible for parts of the night and, and it just seemed like the the connection wasn't there. So Valerie actually asks a two part question here. So one of her questions was about the starters, the logic behind using the starters, Valerie, I really believe that the Jim curtains trying to emphasis on, put emphasis on MLS and maybe using a lot of depth for the CCL. But one of her questions were, why were there so many errant passes? Uh, From you and I watching the match, Alex, we saw a lot of bad Union passes. It was very uncharacteristic. Now, again, I didn't watch all of the Miami match versus Montreal. but Did you see Montreal having the same issues that the Union had in terms of the way they played or the way they were just being handled by Miami?
1: Yeah, Miami game plan for Montreal very well. There were a couple of moments where Romo Romo Kyoto tried to get in behind, but they, they snuffed that out pretty well. Um. Yeah, Miami. Uh, Phil Noble is a very defense-first coach, and until a fall almost, you know, sometimes <laughs> he, yeah, yeah. Sometimes people want him to to go for it a little bit more, and and this off he made that change. He said specifically Miami are going to go and attack and score goals. That's why they switched to this sort of similar to Philly, but not really, just similar in formation. Diamond, you know, with uh, Joseph Martinez, Coco Jean up top, Stefanelli as kind of the three playing as a as a ten and three midfielders, Pizarro, uh, Gregory Mata. So they they want to attack. So um, yeah, yeah a, a different change and the game plan for Montreal super well. Montreal, yeah, they lost a lot of players too. They, you know, they sold They yeah. sold off you know half their roster, so naturally they're gonna drop off. And they're uh, you know no shade to them, but their quality isn't as good as Philly. So you know some of those uh, they they weren't able to finish or, or they they missed a lot and they weren't as crisp as Philly was uh, versus the game, but. I think against Philly, Miami just they were able to just just kind of unsettle them really, and I, they you know I don't know if you know this, but Philly got really frustrated you know thirty minutes in, and it got chippy, and you know that's what Miami wants to do. They want to break up the rhythm and, and attack and attack and go fast. So um, yeah, they they did that well. Similarly, similarly to against Montreal, they did the same thing, just kind of disrupt you know get on Victor Wanyama very early, disrupt him. Mm-hmm. He's kind of their engine, and they did the same with Philly. You know they they. Got chippy, and they they stroke they they struck uh very quickly. So um, they yeah, did. I think that's the game plan going forward for Miami. Just hit them hard and and continue and go and and break quickly.
0: And Montreal is an interesting club because you don't see a team really have what probably one of their best seasons in a long time just fall off like they did. Um, in terms of just quality, I know Kamara is now with Chicago. I was watching him play uh, yesterday. He kind of helped start that, that goal for Chicago, but, uh, it's, you know, last year we were so worried about Montreal sneaking up and and taking that one spot from us. And they just, you know, they, they, they didn't, they were right below us, but now they, I feel like they may not make the playoffs this year. We don't know. We don't know what their quality of roster is going to be with that, with that turnaround. But, um, yeah, in terms of the, the way, uh, Phil Neville has approached this. I was in the press conference after the game and I know you were as well.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And
0: um, he mentioned the, the, the atmosphere in the clubhouse, he mentioned the way it feels different. I know he kind of said special and then kind of corrected himself and said, it feels different. I, I, from just even from being afar as a Philly fan, I can see it. What are your, do you feel that as well when you talk to these players and see the camaraderie between them?
1: Yeah, 100%. And you know, it's uh, something that they worked on uh, over the off season, you know, Chris Henderson and, and David Beckham and, and Feneval—they they said, you know, before they look at player players and their their footballing ability, they look at their personality and their character first. So that's, uh, you know, they want a cohesive and harm, harmonious locker room and guys that get along together. And mm-hmm. you know, this locker room—they're super—they're super together. There's no there like, there's no clicks. You know, all of the guys hang out um, off the field. You know, even the the post uh, the post uh, goal celebration from. Uh, 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 Robert Taylor, Ari Lassiter, Chris McVay. they did something from uh, Attack on Titan, the anime, and, and nice. yeah, yeah. I asked Robert Taylor about that after the game, and he was like, you know, they were watching it together, uh, you know, as friends, and they said if one of them scored, they they do the this I believe it's called Scouts Honor uh a salute. So, um, yeah, it's, they're just super together, and you know, unlike other Miami locker rooms from previous seasons, I think not having that one superstar player so for example I'll take Iguain. Mm-hmm. there's a reason why Pizarro was sent off on loan they just oh, yeah limit. yeah they yeah they didn't get along together at all and it, it showed and even uh, last season they deferred to Iguain and and I will a lot you know those are the two main guys they deferred to them uh, a lot and and you know sometimes that can hurt team chemistry because you know about yeah. opposition opposition teams can game plan against that. And, and, you know, it's basically, you know, if you snuff out Egoine and Pozuelo, then they have no offense, but this season we're seeing it more spread out, you know, Robert Taylor, Coco Jean, uh, you know, the center, uh, Sergey Kristoff scoring last uh, last week, you know, uh, Schneider, uh, you know, for, you know, Philly uh, Union <laughs> uh, Academy product, you know, scoring uh, two as well. So it's just a harmonious locker room that's getting together a lot. There are no like hothead personalities and it, it's so, yeah, it's a pleasure to see compared to, what, 2020, 2021, where it, that locker room was, yeah, it was, yeah, it, a, 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 yeah a <laughs> it was crazy. There were a bunch of individual players, and yeah, it was it was bad, uh, hindsight, but um, yeah, this season, is, you know, the guys just get along so well, and mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's just, you know, a year of work from Chris Henderson and Neville to, to get it to this point.
0: Yeah, almost trust the process in a way. Yeah, just let it kind of grind it out. No, I, I watched the Apple preview, and I, I I can't remember the the host's name at the at this moment, but she essentially said Iguain and Pizarro didn't like each other. That's not that's not sugarcoated. Ah. They just didn't like each other. No, yeah, I, I believe it
1: was so, Kaylin Kyle. Yes, Kayle that's Kyle. what it was. used yes. to uh, yes. work for the club. Yeah, yeah. She yes.
0: So it seems like that's just understood at this point that the chemistry is a lot better. And I mean, listen, with the, with the union, um, we had a bit of an issue when we got rid of Sergio Santos because he was, mm. such, he was such a locker room guy. He was very much, um, not the heartbeat of the team, but you know, he, he walked into the, the room and lit up the room with his smile, with his mannerisms, his behavior. And it, it's true. You know, you, you take one person out or you want, you put one person in and they can change the whole dynamic of a locker room. Um, in a lot of ways in good, both good and bad. But in terms of the, the personalities on the club, um, I, I feel weird saying this as a Philly fan, but there is certainly a, a building rivalry between these two clubs. I know we had talked about this before we went in there, before we got into the studio, rather. Um, if you look at the way the Union have played against the Red Bulls, I don't think it's much of a rivalry anymore. The Union kind of handled them fairly – consistently on, uh, as of late. NYCFC and us definitely have that that rivalry because of the Eastern Conference final and stuff. But Miami certainly feels like it's becoming that as well. I know we had the Higuain and, Mar- and uh, Jose Martinez issue a couple of years ago. Uh, I know Miami took a win from us in Chester, I believe at the beginning of last season, if it was twenty
1: twenty one, yeah, that yeah. long ago, yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. You, I was at the game. You guys walked in and, and stole a, a, a game from us, basically. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I remember being in the stadium as a fan and just seeing the Miami fans like partying in, in the concourse, and it was very obvious there was tension between the fans as well as the players. And again, if you watch the game on Apple, the 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 win loss you know balance between these two clubs is very close it's really not one sided by any stretch of the imagination so eastern conference foes sitting here together do you believe there's a rivalry building between Miami and Philadelphia
1: um yeah for sure i think on the field it you know the tension is is there you know going back to the the Higuain miss and um then them surrounding him and then you know uh miami stealing a game in chester that 2-1 game where uh that game was special for the egoyan brothers their their mother just passed away so you know the the passion was there and they wanted to do it for her. And, and you know, it was uh, Federico and, and Gonzalo connecting on that last goal, I believe. Yeah. And, and they scored that, that, uh, that winner. And yeah, even uh, the game the other night, you know, you know, Joseph and Jose Martinez going after it two Venezuelans, you know, <laughs> Kai Wagner, Coco Jean going after it. It was, it was very chippy, you know, and there's a lot of cross, you know, inter and and, and union players, you know, Damien Lowe's there, Carranza, Schneider Borgesland, Alejandro Bedoya's from Miami. So there's a lot of crossover between the two teams. And I know there's respect between the two managers for sure. Jim Curtin uh, spoke very, uh, you know, great about Fanevel and and vice versa. Fanevel really respects Curtin, and 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 just you know, really respects him as a coach. Honestly, he spoke uh, at length about him a couple of days before the game. But um, as far as the, the players go, yeah, they 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 they're, they're button heads, and and I've seen on on social media scrolling around uh, between the fans. Yeah, they definitely get into it for sure, for sure. Uh, similar to Orlando, honestly, the the fans they get very chippy. So. Yeah, there's a, a button rivalry there. The 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 series is yeah, like you said, very even. I believe the Union, uh, they've they've won one more game. I think it's pretty even yeah, and like a bunch easy. of draws. And Miami have won a couple of games. So yeah, I'm I'm intrigued about the the reverse fixture in Chester. Let's see how that goes. And yeah, it could be playoff implications uh, depending on when they play it. But yeah, it'll be in, in, interesting to see for sure.
0: It felt like a playoff game a bit on saturday it had that intensity had yeah that, you know the the unexpected just argument you know between was it kai and john just this weird yeah smashing ahead like it's, you know was the 25th minute or whatever it was you know calm yeah. down everybody. um no it's it's certainly growing i mean who would you say as, as just from watching miami who do you think is your biggest rival would it be orlando or and is there any other team in particular that your fans really just can't stand in general
1: oh my gosh orlando for sure i know <laughs> i know yeah i know i'm more like to like manufacture rivalry rivalries, yeah. but like it's it's it, yeah it, it it's crazy like the fans don't like each other, you know like it it, it gets bad honestly and it, you know it's a real rivalry and they don't like each other at all you know uh going back to last season that four one game where uh, Miami absolutely smashed Orlando and basically almost um lost their playoff position you know uh, Orlando lost that game and they were, they slipped into what uh, like eighth place in in the East and they were a threat to not make the playoffs and yeah Orlando for sure for one you know I'll throw in Philly in there that's a budding rivalry um I think still I think mine is a little too new to have those like deep set it right uh deep set uh rivalries but uh right now yeah Philly Orlando are the two main ones for sure I think it, they give us very good games you know uh, you know just from a neutral standpoint the games are, are fun to watch from both teams and Um, yeah I I think Miami want revenge uh, on the Orlando front uh, that U.S. Open Cup loss they lost on penalties and yeah then Orlando went on to win the tournament uh, spying on a USO team which is still ridiculous to to point out but um, the best
0: storylines of that (laughs)
1: like yeah the entire thing was so crazy like it was a public park but Sacramento didn't want them there and it was crazy but yeah, Philly and in Orlando for sure, and maybe I'll throw in like um DC United um, oh, too. Is. Yeah, yeah. Especially, yeah. unfortunately, after that that incident with uh, taxi contest and Damian Lowe, where there was uh, allegedly a, a slur uh, thrown out there that the right. league oh, didn't yeah, find yeah. anything, and yeah, that that hurt deep, obviously. In the, and yeah, it, it it wasn't nice. So yeah, DC too. So DC, Orlando, and in Philly, I'd say.
0: Yeah, no, it, and there's so many Philly transplants in Florida to begin with. I mean, so many of us go down there for, well, not to mention just, you know, spring training and being in Clearwater and that kind of stuff, but just in general, people retire down there. So there's a lot of, there's a big, strong Philly fan base down in um in Florida. So I, I certainly expect that stadium to be filled with Philly fans to some extent. You know, hopefully, I don't think there was that many this, this time around, but maybe next time uh, they'll get a bigger turnout. But uh, in terms of just the, when we play you guys, again, I just looked at the schedule. We don't play until June. So we have a pretty long stretch till we get there. Um, and, you know, we'll see what happens. I know up next, you guys have NYCFC. Uh, and and have you thought about that game at all? Or have you any ideas on how you think you guys are going to handle your first away trip of the year?
1: Yeah, I think that's a that is a concern. Miami mean, are, are you know, they're a fortress at home. Drive Pink has become, you know, that place to to pick up all their wins and. Uh, last season, Miami were not good on the road, like at all. <laughs> yeah, and, and Neville he he specifically stated that he wants them to improve on the road this season. He said if they want to, you know, win some silverware, they're going to need to win on the road, and and he, he's right. And New York CFC away, you know, just the field alone, the field dimensions, you know, the pitch. Sharing it with the Yankees, it's 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 not uh, pleasant to play on from a player's per- perspective. Speaking with them after you know previous NYCFC matches. It's not fun to play on. The dimensions are weird, you know. NYCFC always has that advantage because they're they're used to playing on that small field. So I, I am a little concerned that Miami, you know, they just won't be able to adapt their play style to that truncated field a little, and and you know they'll struggle or maybe give up you know, some crazy goals because of the field dimension. So, um, yeah, that is a concern. But like um, like I mentioned earlier, we're talking to Phil Novel later in the week on Thursday. So awesome. I'll, I'll ask him about that and see how he feels about that and see if they'll be able to adapt and adjust.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, Philadelphia didn't earn their first win in New York City until last year. So yeah. it's, it's certainly a, an advantage. Um, I've never seen a game there in person, but from what I hear, it's very unique. To put it nicely, I guess you can say, uh, just the way the dimensions are. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I you know, I wish you guys the best of luck because I think if if we had to pick as Philly fans, we'd rather see NYCFC lose than Miami. Uh, or you know, win or whatever. Uh, yeah. rather. So uh, yeah. we're hoping for the best for you guys to take care of NYC because we just can't stand them in this yeah. way. But again, you guys are also rising to the top of the Eastern Conference, but yeah, you have two pretty tough away matches, NYCFC and then you have Toronto uh, right afterwards. So, you know, we'll see how you guys do on the road. But besides that, uh, Alex, thank you for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it. Um, like I said, my, my, my co-host couldn't make it for personal reason unfortunately but um it was almost seemed perfect timing for us to, to kind of get a chance to chat tonight so before i go i mean can you give us your plug where we can find you your reports all that kind of stuff and, and everything else you can provide to us about miami coverage
1: yeah you can find me on twitter at aaw underscore 1998 i write for the heron outlet covering all things in our miami we have long form articles interviews just basically keeping everyone up to date with the team you know um you know just in a couple of weeks actually this is a little stadium update um the you know Mel Reese is finally closing so we'll be able to start construction on that so um yeah the heron outlet will have you all color- covered with that and um yeah just uh on twitter and uh, on um yeah, just on Twitter, really.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, Twitter is just where I live at yeah. half, half my day, honestly. <laughs> it's, Literally. It's, it's addicting. When they said Twitter was going to close down, I was like, no. What am I going to do? <laughs> yeah, I was
1: like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so that's why I created TikTok. as like a backup plan, yeah. just in case anything ever happened. But again, thank you, Alex, for joining us. Like I said, uh, Miami took, got the best of us this time around. But hopefully next time in June, uh, we can have a quick chat or, or you know hop on and see if Maybe see how playoff implications will be at that point, see where our season goes. And hopefully, it'll be another good game in Chester again, like I said, in June. But for now, guys, that is across the pitch. Uh, Tomorrow night, we have the match against Alianza. So we'll send out some live tweets and and notes online. You can follow us on Twitter. And then we have Chicago File on Saturday. And I'll release a little preview for that as well before that match. But otherwise, happy Monday night. Alex, thank you again so much. See you later, everybody. Thanks.